So, question of the day. We're going to start it off. What's the question of the day? Do you think pickle juice to make a bad lubricant? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> we were talking about shave bumps. Pickle juice has to be the worst. imagine if you had like a cut. Why would, it, why would you put pickle juice on a cut? What? I'm so confused. No, that'd be the worst, dude. Like, number one, it's water. It's not lubricating at all. Number two, it smells like shit. So you got to deal with it smelling like shit. And if you're jacking off with your hands, you're going to smell like pickles for the day. And that's it. That's nasty, dude. No, we were just thinking of random shit. So before we get going into anything, okay. uh, I'm Zion Yeet. This is level day F. And then that guy up there is invoked. Nobody. Uh, and we're just chilling. Uh, we're going to be talking about Halo Infinite microtransactions and some other shit. Sorry All to the steal shit. your spotlight for once, but I figured, don't, fuck it, why not? Don't you, I want you to. Take take it. Introduce. So, talk. Uh, start our other it. thing we wanted to do real fast. We're going to do a poll. Okay. Yen and I were talking. We're going to do a poll about whether or not it takes more than half an hour or less than half an hour for D2 to be brought up. Okay. Do the poll. Oh, you want me to start it here? I want to make. Did you make the poll? You should make it. No. Uh, here, can I create? Uh, I want to manage poll. Okay, hold on, hold on. New poll, new poll. Prediction time. Oh, yeah, do prediction. Okay, hey, we'll do a prediction. Man's yeah. pointing in the wrong direction. In Discord, I wasn't pointing in the wrong direction. So <laughs> I can get it. Destiny. Hold on. I got a new prediction. You got to start the prediction? Yeah. Okay, you got it. Okay, cool. I will wait. Well, we're going to wait. I mean, we are going to talk about Destiny 2 a little bit. We have to because they are the biggest microtransaction it's like the wrong way of doing microtransactions in my opinion we've talked a little bit not the biggest not the biggest okay we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about them yet we'll, we'll come back to them and i'll just make sure it's 30 minutes later watch cod blueprints there's tons can... there's tons um as i kind of transmog bullshit you can think of in world of warcraft yeah that's true so Guild here's Wars. here's the thing zion Neat said it right all right we're going to be starting off with a giant topic about microtransactions um yinvoked myself in zion have talked about this kind of off camera just kind of like here and there little by little but today we want to sit down and just like go through all of it start to finish get everybody's position on it because it's super subjective so it's going to be kind of a bumpy ride we're gonna to have to really kind of explain everybody and uh while i'm thinking about it uh filipina chica of lilo and ace aka miss lilo is here so uh shout out to miss lilo you're here hi you guys hi you guys yeah we did it for you <laughs> welcome to the podcast what's up um okay so let's go ahead yin explain let's let's go ahead and start with the microtransactions give a brief overview on the business model we kind of talked about it a little bit um Go ahead and talk with the business model a little bit. Like the differences, let's start with uh, differences between microtransactions and loot boxes. Let's start with that. Oh, well, I mean, loot boxes are a form of microtransaction. I think microtransactions, anything that adds additional content, not necessarily DLC, but anything that you can um, buy for purposes of your character or for expansion of your character that doesn't really pertain to the base game, usually meant to cut content or to provide some kind of cosmetic benefit. Okay. Yep. I think that's pretty standard. I think everybody can understand that. So I would I would think of microtransactions, like you said. Um, let's talk about DLC real quick. We talked about this a little bit before the podcast started, but DLC is a little bit not... It's not really in the same vein that we're talking today because I think DLC, for example, we talked about The Witcher 3. Witcher 3 has got its core game, 
and then you buy DLC, which is just literally like a mini game, a mini uh, addition to the game, but you're still just playing the same game. It doesn't change Depending anything. On the devs and like who's in charge. Hmm. DLC can either be actual good additions to content or shit they couldn't do on release time that they worked on later and added in as a oh fuck here pay for this so we can actually have a full game right right yeah that's also very true there's there's definitely been a lot of scenes about that um i would like to point out too just so that we can set the playing field for this um we were talking about how gaming the gaming industry has grown obviously tremendously um on top of that it's actually now believe it or not cheaper to game now than it was say it in 1989 or 1992 with the cost of inflation the average gaming rig back in the day cost two thousand dollars with the game costing anywhere with inflation on average 110 dollars so if you put that together the average gamer if they owned three games is spending 2300 dollars just to play a game just to play some games at home now there was arcades and that's a whole nother thing it's a whole nother side there were arcades and all sorts of stuff back then but if you wanted to be a gamer at home like we are today in the year 2021, you'd have to spend $2,300, and that's the price of entry. Even at the same time, for example, if you bought an Atari, an Atari with inflation is $1,400. If you bought an Atari, each game still $110 per game. So you're still spending quite a lot of money just to start playing the games. Whereas you could buy an Xbox for how much is an Xbox, the new one? 400 bucks? 500 right? bucks. 500 bucks? Okay, 500 bucks, and each game's 560. So in total today, you're going to pay 560. For if you wanted one game and the Monster Xbox, experience, not then, PC Master Race. but you can still play. So you could either play $2,300 for the PC experience back in 1989 or considerably more at what would that be? Uh, a hundred, what? $1,500 if you bought a console. So you can tell the price of gaming has gone down a ton, but here's the kicker. And here's the interesting part. The video game market. And I can pull, let's, I'm going to go to another screen. Let me show you guys what I'm talking about here. This is the video game market from 2012 to 2020. So let's do those two. It went from $70.6 billion worldwide industry now to $160 billion industry in the course of eight years, which is insane because it's over, it's more than doubled, right? And but I don't have the statistics for the 1989 to now, but we can all agree that gaming has become wildly popular, popular, you know, across all genres. I mean, it's just it's mainstream now. Would you guys agree? Yeah, for sure. I think this is a natural progression from uh, other entertainment like TVs and movies. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Zion, what about you, man? Uh, natural TV, like just people don't do anything except watch the weather or maybe watch their rom-coms or sitcoms. But that's about it. It's more so. Uh, YouTube, Twitch, you can watch your favorite streamers, you can watch your favorite like influencers now at the click of a button rather than oh I gotta pay 140 bucks a month to watch ESPN and that's it. Right, right. And I think what's important to note here, and this is kind of what we're setting the groundwork here, is that there is a big difference between a loot box and a microtransaction. Regardless of what you think about either of those things, the gaming market is bigger today than it ever has been but the price of a video game has not changed in 15 years so what has the how has the market grown this much with game prices staying the same and the cost of gaming going down they're losing money on their 
the actual consoles themselves and they're losing money on the games comparatively speaking to when gaming first came out so how are they making more and more money and the answer is microtransactions at the end of the day and so this is why it's such a giant topic because it's become so prolific in the gaming industry that it's in, it's impossible to to not say something about it. you know it's impossible to to get away from it and every single game i can't name a single game that's come out that doesn't have some form of microtransactions do we have I mean, anything i couldn't find one i couldn't find a single one does anybody have any games that they can think of i mean there are a ton of games that are coming out i mean you had um what's the game that zion and bleach were excited about that just came out the godfall well, or whatever it's called yeah godfall yeah, godfall well... that microtransaction. Yeah, it doesn't have... It's going to get DLC eventually, but it doesn't have microtransactions per se. Uh, another one, like, most story-based RPGs aren't going to have them unless you have, like, a deluxe edition with, like, cosmetic add-ons, and that's about it. Okay. Is that because they have an online version, or is that still a single-player? I'm talking, like, even if you think of, like, the dumpster fire that is Cyberpunk, it doesn't have microtransactions. True, true. Yeah, I think there's there's still a good market of games that don't have any microtransactions. Yeah. Uh, spe speaking of which, I don't think Bloodborne did, but they had DLC. But that is, again, yeah. we're not talking DLC. Today is not the DLC day, because DLC, I think we can all agree, is extra content put forth by the game devs that is just adding on to the experience of the base game. Right? I mean, that's pretty standard across the market, which is understandable. We could get into that discussion about the, ch the shift, though, from that so let, let's talk uh all right zion i'm gonna give you the floor on this one tell us Dude. about horse armor my friend uh i mean i wasn't gaming back then so i don't really have a point <laughs> in that or a stake in that i should say but uh we did some homework before the podcast and looked up and 2006 elder scrolls oblivion uno quattro or numero quattro uh, but they had horse armor introduced for the measly price of $2.50, which is less than the price of an Apex pack, which is $1. All right. And uh, yeah, good times. That is, again, just before my time, I wasn't around during that whole brouhaha. That was, I would have been eight years old. So, yeah. So the horse armor and all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And go ahead and explain because you, me and you used to play back then. I played Oblivion. I remember when that first came out. I remember the entire gaming industry going nuts. Um, before you go into it, though, do you remember the show that was on G4? Was it called G4? It was like yeah. uh, it was like was it called X Games? No, it was not X Games. What was that gaming show? X Play. X Play. That was it. Yeah. I remember them bashing that horse armor so hard with those two. <laughs> it's so hard. And everybody was bashing it because it was the first of its kind. It was the first time. And explain why it was so so much of an issue. So this came around with Xbox 360, I guess, was kind of when they had that marketplace and they had picture packs and all this other stuff. And that they had just added this cosmetic DLC for a single player game. I mean, no one was streaming at the time. So all it was was just this random horse armor that just kind of came out of nowhere and they were charging for it. This is cusp of where we were used to having all these unlocks you know you go you finish the final boss and you unlock cheats and it, it was like the first time where content was being locked off or i guess i don't even know if it was added it may have been in the game prior but it's the first instance where content was locked off by a monetary barrier yeah and it was 
weird because it was a single player game like like you said you weren't streaming it you weren't creating content for it. i mean youtube was just starting off in 2006 i think right so it was wasn't really even a you weren't sharing your video play so you really you're just buying it for yourself to look at your horse to have some gold armor and the armor looked ugly as shit <laughs> it was terrible but you know people were like what is this two dollars and fifty cents i remember and you brought up a good point right there i remember playing on xbox 360 and you had like the base avatars for your your uh, profile, but then you could buy like pay Xbox for new profiles. I thought that was weird. I just remember that being weird. Like, why am I? I'm paying Microsoft for Xbox points. Yeah, I'm paying Microsoft points to to buy avatars. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck am I doing right now? Um, I think I made my little. Remember that X? You had like the little tiny avatar that you could make, and I made mine yeah. look like Master Chief. And I remember I spent like 15 bucks. I think it was the worst amount of money I've ever spent because I obviously don't play Xbox and they got rid of the avatars. So it became pointless. Um, yeah, I think that only was the avatar, first. Go ahead. Only like early avatars I remember are the damn like the little monkey dude with the skater rat mm -hmm. beanie on on the Xbox 360 Live and then a couple of the other ones. Yeah, though they had this one in Xbox. So you had your profile picture and then you had literally like a tiny like a like a 3d avatar well they called it an emimo or something i don't know what they fucking called no, it no that was that was an avatar they called it an avatar. avatar yeah so it was literally like and you can like you could dress it up however you want it was like having a doll or something like a chief helmet on like yeah i remember watching uh they would have uh rooster teeth and like achievement hunter did let's plays on family feud and family feud would use your avatar for xbox and one of them had like the Master Chief helmet on, and he would be on the like Family Feud floor playing the game as his character. Oh, okay. See, that makes sense. No, man, it's I. So back then, microtransactions were, were very weird, and I think people were turned off because you have to realize you had a gaming industry for the first twenty years before two thousand six. For twenty years, they had been gaming, and games came out in one form, the full game. There was no. DLC at the time you just bought the game that was the game you waited for a second game right um they did have online games they you know they obviously had like Warcraft and Starcraft that was just coming around so like the online really changed the gaming industry but the game you know the game developers themselves and the publishers figured out hey we can make a little extra money doing this but I think that's when they stopped raising the prices of games in the first place I think when I was younger I remember buying computer games and it was only like 30 bucks, 35 bucks, something like, it was cheap. It was pretty, it wasn't expensive. And they raised it to 60 and it just kind of stayed. So there's gotta be a reason that they started making all this money. And now today, you, there's just, microtransactions are everywhere. So with all that being laid out, with all that being said, Yin, let's start with you. How do you feel about microtransactions? How does it infect gameplay? Just lay out your position on it. So just to clarify, before we go into that, um, the price of games was $50 prior to, I think it was 2005 when the Xbox 360 came out. Mm -hmm. When the Xbox 360 debuted, the price had jumped to 60. And now with the Xbox Series X, you're seeing the price go up to 70. So there is a price change happening right. around this year. So you okay. can expect prices to go to 70. But I think there's going to be a breakdown of pricing based on the value proposition of the game. So because of the amount of indie games and the amount of games that are in progress, I think you're going to see a, a breakdown of that. So prices are going to be a little bit more varied forward. Right. Um, so with microtransactions, I don't really see they're an issue uh, as long as they're implemented correctly. And 
it's kind of up to the regulating bodies to make sure that that actually happens. So we need some more, I think, regulation on how we can handle microtransactions and what it means to have microtransactions in games. Okay. And these are regulating bodies like uh, governments and things like that? Or you talked about sure. like... I uh... mean, it could be in any form mm. because I don't think gamers are able to voice with their wallets. I think the, the fear of missing out and trying to show off to your friends is just too high with the anonymity of the online. Mm. No. I don't think gamers can do it themselves. I think they need some kind of body to help. Right. Well, so you're in favor of microtransactions. This is where I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate a little bit. Um, so if you're okay with paying microtransactions, would you be okay with paying for just a higher game with no microtransactions? Yes. Okay. What would be Absolutely. that price point for you? Depends on the value proposition of the game. Just as we just Perfect. mentioned. Like if a game is offering me i mean it's really subjective on whether you value a eight hour experience that is an extremely well-told story versus like a 300 hour game that is just boring grind right like you could say the destiny has hours upon hours of content but if it's the same stuff you know that might be a completely different uh value to you yeah versus someone else so me, it really depends me and you share Whoever's that on the less just one because it's under it's under half an hour, so whoever's on the lesser end of that. <laughs> so I didn't say it yet. Out. I didn't. It wasn't me. I didn't say it. Um, <laughs> no, but this I agree with you though. Like for example, I think me and you both can agree that like Witcher Three is a well-made adventure game, and you you play as a character, and it's got over fifty hours worth of content. Even if you burn through the game, you got fifty hours of content easily. Witcher easily. Three is so good in its delivery that it can't even be used to compare in this discussion because it just set it was just so far off of anything that i would expect from a game right no well, microtransactions in a game that was a, at least like 150 hours if you played it the right way. yeah easily easily and so it's a good point so let's i'm gonna think of another game so another game i would probably put in the same genre would be bloodborne uh that's a game i put a ton of hours in but as you play through Bloodborne, the replayability, it's its literally just a couple of the same maps. If you really think about it, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of maps. And if you play through it just once, and the storyline just once, and you beat the bosses, the replayability of that game is really, I mean, you get your money's worth, 100%. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you can make multiple characters with different builds, things like that. So, But at the same time, it's not as grandiose as... Witcher 3 was, right? That was a whole... Witcher 3 is on its own pedestal, I would say. I think, Zan, you agree with that? Yeah, I would say I never played Bloodborne. I played a lot of the Souls games. I played uh, 2 and 3 and all of the DLCs for 2. Mm -hmm. So um, I'd sink some time into that. But the I would say another game that would be close to it, but it doesn't have the same replayability, would be overall the Assassin's Creed series. They don't uh, have... Okay. You have your initial like dive, play through the story mode, but in the more recent ones to Origins, Odyssey, and now Valhalla, there is so much side shit to do, you can literally get lost in the game. Mm. Like, I got to a point in Valhalla where I actually stopped playing it because you finish, like, the first five or six main story branches, and then you have multiple options of, you need to go do these assassinations for the Order, you need to go get, uh, like, a tonic from the Seer and go to Asgard and try to acquire, like, Thor's hammer, Odin's spear, like there's just different missions to go do. But as you're doing all that stuff, you're not 
taking care of the stuff that's in like the real world where it's you're expanding your settlement you're making friendships you're reinforcing your crew like that kind of stuff there's so many nitpick genres and like pieces to the game that you get sucked into one thing and then two hours later you come back and you're like oh i need to keep doing story mission or oh i need to do these other nine ten eleven quests that are not like clear and concise about how they affect gameplay they're really just like armor acquisition or weapon acquisition or expanding across the like you're opening up the open world side of the game but you're also not so much sinking into a direct like i'm doing this for this you're going into it going oh what do i do for your right i think you now go ahead i'm so glad you brought up a ubisoft title as someone who hasn't played Assassin's Creed in ages, how is the microtransaction market for that going? Because I got so tired of it by micro uh, by Assassin's Creed 2 that the UB Towers microtransactions and Brotherhood just kind of crept in and took over. Is it still the same way with Valhalla? Well, before we go to his opinion, explain what that system is for people, because I'm not familiar with Assassin's Creed. There's probably some people who are listening or watching that don't know what happened. So Zion, you might be able to talk to this more than I can, but there was the like resident system i believe i mean this was so long ago but you could rush materials you could pay microtransactions to just skip the wait and there was a lot of missions in there that were just heavy grind for like materials that you had to do to level up hmm. so let me get so they oh, Zion, so, Mike's not working. yeah what so what is the so, so what is the tower <laughs> the term ub towers refers to uh the open world game where you have a hidden map Mike working yeah there you go yep. we can hear you okay the yubi tower refers to games that have a open world where you have to go climb some tower and activate a point and then it reveals portions of the map and just fills your screen with random garbage like stupid encounters that have five enemies in them that just give you the basic grind for experience okay we've played it before far cry has them yeah yeah, yeah. Creed has them about, like, towers. It, it's, go over here and release yeah, these villagers that, yeah well, it's that branch of game where, like, it's exploration open world to be able to light up the map. And then, okay, now I can go to here, deal with this, like, in Black Flag, let's say, it was going around finding all of the shanties or going around and unlocking, like, all of the waypoints to find. Like, you open the map up, and then you can do, like, all the side stuff. You can okay. find all the shanties. You can find all of the... uh in valhalla it's you find tattoos around the map that you can use as cosmetics for your character you can find different uh yom's vikings that you can hire and like join your crew you can do different missions to acquire resources to upgrade your ship or upgrade your character you don't get direct weapon upgrades you have to buy those from the shops but okay um, so th those you can buy though with microtransactions now right to make it you said make it faster kind of not in valhalla so there was in I played I haven't I played a little bit of Origin but I stopped cuz it just it was almost too expansive and the combat system was buggy it was their first time in the Assassin's Creed series trying to do a health bar system and to me it just felt wrong hmm. so I stopped playing that when I came back for Odyssey Odyssey felt good the combat flowed the story was kind of jank their graphics were kind of buggy but um overall the game was good and they had microtransactions for like armor sets and ship like cosmetics and you could pick up those up if you wanted or if you didn't want to who cares did those give you valhalla. like bonuses no but in valhalla they released uh armor sets tattoo skins which don't affect gameplay 
the armor sets do affect gameplay uh okay. the armor sets would give you like say the nightmare set would be about using poison weaponry the oh, okay. uh, stealth templar set would be about doing nighttime assassinations you would deal more damage during the night you would your assassinations would go quieter you would have less chance of being noticed like so it gave um, you kind of an advantage in game if you paid the money was there a way to unlock kind of, it in game at the same time there's a multitude of different armor sets in that game that do different things you can hop on a youtube let's watch guide go around the map and grind for like four hours and find like five or six different armor sets that would just let you gr just plow through the campaign i got I grabbed you. one okay. armor set that was the it's like the assassin's mentor set and it literally just lets you uh anytime you use your hidden blade you regen health and then you do like some other crazy shit i don't remember it's been okay. so long since i played so yin so you're talking about this tower to so to avoid those towers and unlock this zone you would basically be able to pay money instead back then this is brotherhood right well not for the towers i think it's just that the the way that Assassin's Creed kind of pushed its microtransactions was by doing repetitious crap. They put mm -hmm. in a bunch of the monotonous, grindy things that give you like 12 wood, and then you have to use 12 wood to upgrade your stupid blade. And then you could, instead of doing all of that, you could just pay 99 cents and get a free stock of 60 wood to skip that whole process altogether. Uh, I, I think see. By yeah, just you could just, time, just upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. Yeah, gotcha. you just over time, you just slowly in, in the iterative releases, every time you release Assassin's Creed, you just make it a little bit worse. A little bit worse. Got it. So you would there's... say that type of transaction would be like, in the, let's say it's a good pile and a bad pile. That's the bad pile. Yeah, for sure. Because I think it, it's you're really trying to take the experience away from the player, and you're trying to make it more boring so that they're more willing to skip content. Mm. And I don't think that is a good way i think valhalla with the extra armor sets if you could just flat out buy the armor set and you cannot grind it like i'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more lenient on so that. there is a way to grind them actually how how bad of a grind is it like, That's is it it's kind of rough so okay, in the so game yeah. there's uh after you get your settlement like you open up and you start having your shop and stuff you can go to this vendor who gives you like bounty quests like go kill so and so and you'll get I think it was like 15 to 20 opals. There was daily ones and there was weekly ones. You get three daily ones and one weekly one. And I don't remember the currency rate, but it was pretty bad. You would have to do all of your dailies and one of your weeklies to get like one of the items. Oh, and Jesus. One of the shittier tier items. Ah, oh, what the fuck? There'd be multiple. There'd be like weapons, shields. There'd be uh, armor pieces, boat pieces. Like, um, you could. So you would buy, and then also, like, going around the map, you could find the opals just randomly. Like, you would mm -hmm. open up the waypoints to open up your map, and it would highlight, hey, here's an opal here, here's an opal here, here's an opal here. Now, there is a shitty side of that, though. They did do, like what Yin's talking about, if you want to upgrade your weapons or your armor or your boat, you could buy to get, uh, with IRL money, not even in-game money, you could buy like a th couple thousand stack of the different materials for the early progression materials to be able to upgrade your stuff. And okay. then once you got into the high stuff, it was all in-game only. So that's the weird part. So I have to agree with Yin on this situation. I would put this also in a bad pile because you are taking away from what's... If, all right. Here's this... All right. This is actually great. Let's just backtrack just a second. So there's this there's this thing in a video game where the goal is to have a couple different moving parts, good storyline, 
player choice, uh, progression, and uh, challenge. Right? You should have those four things. I think that makes a good video game. No matter what video game it is, should have those four things. Um, now, if you can take out your wallet and you whip out and you decrease your challenge, inadvertently, you're just making the game worse for yourself. You guys agree with that? I don't know if it's, it's actually making necessarily. it. It's tough. Yeah. It's a tough question. I know it's tough because that's also like, for example, if I gave money, to, let's just put I gave I bought Valhalla. I put money towards buying wood to repair my ship. I've taken it's away from that experience. You're, you're or upgrading or whatever. Yeah, put whatever no, term you want there. Yeah, it's literally just like upgrading. There's no there's ship to ship based combat in a couple of instances, but for the most part, you're just using it to go A to B on rivers. Okay. I I think the the issue is that the game dev has failed you at that point because yes, that's what I'm trying the to get gameplay to. loop has been interrupted to incentivize you spending money to ruin your own experience because you don't want to do this anymore. Right. I don't want to sit there and fight the same five guys and then leave and then come back to it and farm it again. Like I, I just don't want to do that. That's not fun. That's a grind. If it's a challenge, then then yeah, I'll enjoy it. Like and I don't want to I'll go back to this so you can complete the prediction, but like Destiny, the grind was, you know, somewhat manageable because, I mean, if it wasn't, people wouldn't be playing it. True. But there's no way to skip it. You just have to straight up grind it. You know? right. So the gameplay loop is still somewhat fun to experience. Like if you just made it worse and you could just say, let me just buy my way out of it, you're more inclined to do so. And I think right. that's kind of where it fails you. Like that's where a bad game... microtransactions. I think that's a where. Game along... uh, a game along that line, Jedi Fallen Order. Hmm. Uh, very storyline driven the replayability is not all that great it's literally the same procedurally generated just bam 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 you do all this you finish this planet cool go to the next planet you finish all this finish that planet cool you can come back later and grab the stuff you didn't have the abilities to go get at this time you can come back and go it later um i played that game on like the normal difficulty there was like beginner which is just story mode there was normal then there was like night and then there was grandmaster i did it on normal first and then i went back through and played it on grandmaster for the challenge because i was in like the souls phase at that time i would just finish dark souls two or three again and i went through and i was like fuck it i'll try this game on hard this time and i went through and i played it and it was brutal to be honest but right. that challenging side of the game I don't really look at the Assassin's Creed game and go, okay, I want to play, or the Assassin's Creed series and go, okay, I want to play these for the challenge. I'm here more so for the story-driven. And yeah, the grind is ass, to be honest, at right. points in that game and in that series. But at the same time, if, it, if I'm a warrior out in the middle of nowhere that doesn't have any money, it makes sense if they need to do odd jobs here and there or go Right. Cool well, same thing, going back to Witcher 3, you just put on a great point, is like, the Witcher needs you to get some fucking coins so you can get some better gear, and you can go farm some bosses and try and get some some things and go get gear and look up online stuff. But for the most part, you want to get some coin. If you gotta toss a coin to the Witcher, man, you gotta go do some Witcher shit. Um, but they, I think there's a, the the main difference is I think that Yim was trying to point out, and I think uh, I agree with on this subject is like. It inset if developers are intentionally making systems where you have to grind, but then they give you a little carrot that says, hey, you can come pay us 99 cents for this carrot and we'll just make this grind easier. You're now incentivizing the in the, the game developers like, hey, that worked. Let's do that for the next game. And then that trend continues.
you know, and I think that's where that's my biggest issue with microtransactions. I am okay. I, I'm going to take a very weird stance on microtransactions. I personally don't see them as an issue, but I also don't think there's a counter. And that's a weird position to be in because, again, it's subjective. I think some games do microtransactions okay. Like in this example, I think that Valhalla doesn't do a great job at this because they're now, they're seeing that it works. They're now implementing it into, now we've seen it in multiple games. They did it in Brotherhood. They did it in Odyssey. Now they're doing it in Valhalla. So they got three game streak of them doing that same shit. They're incentivized making more grindy. So you'll pay more money. And that's not a good system, right? Um, but then you have other games. Then you have other games that do that do have microtransactions that do a decent job. Um, I would say a game that does a good job that I have a lot of experience with is, is World of Warcraft. Because World of Warcraft, you just buy mount. You buy mounts, you buy armor sets, and it has no effect on gameplay. You can have it or you don't have it. Nobody cares if you do. And if you don't like the mount that's in the game store, there's a million and a half cool ass mounts that you can not grind you have to like do content for in order to get like for example there's a, a dragon mount you can get if you do oldman but you have to do oldman on challenging mode a certain amount of times to get this like cool ass mount but then you can show it off right and it's an online game so you show it off my issue is like valhalla is a single person game why would they add a grind and then a microtransaction fix to a single person game that on top of the sixty dollar game. On top, of, exactly. That's where I have an issue. Whereas, like World of Warcraft, I'm paying fifteen bucks a month. I can just play the game. I don't have to have any fucking transmog. I can get all the transmogs I want inside the game. The cash shop is optional, just if you want to. You know, if you like the look of something, it doesn't have any effect. But they're not gonna. World of Warcraft's not like go kill a thousand demons in order to get this boot. You know what I mean? Like. So it doesn't make sense or pay me two bucks and you can have the boot for free. It doesn't make, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Well, not for free, but yeah. But not for free. You know what I mean? So I think what it comes down to, and I think we should talk about this next, is microtransactions, the, the trade-off between time and money. And this is a great segue because it looks like you have to either spend a lot of time or a little bit of money in Valhalla in order to get what you need to either increase your character or increase your gear or increase your whatever the, that increase is right um yen what is a game that you think does that appropriately with the grind with the grind to pay ratio uh, uh, no it's a tough one i mean i can literally just say genshin impact and say that's fine okay get into that's the whole good world of gacha gaming but i could say genshin impact because you're grinding it but you can technically buy resources but the game is free to play Okay, well, let's let's talk about that because I do want to talk about free to play market because that is a giant piece of the microtransaction pie. I mean, yeah. China owns free to play market that made God it made its 10 times its money back in its first week. Oh, yeah, 100%. On top of that, like, for example, China owns 60. Well, no, no excuse me, 42% of the entire global gaming market. And 90% of that gaming market is mobile gaming. And it's huge. I mean, mobile gaming in general is giant. You guys know this. I mean, like you said, Genshin Impact. So China has also regulated their gaming so fucking bad multiple mm. times. They've had their... Uh, they've shit on Tencent and shut it down. Like, they've cut Tencent in half twice now. They've gone, you're getting too big. We're going to cut your budget. We're going to cut your, like, everything down. 
Right. They've put restrictions in so that kids under the age of 18 couldn't play past like 10 o'clock and they mm. couldn't play between the hours of like, or no, it was like, it was like 8 p.m. and like 6 a.m. They were not allowed to game. Mm. If, can you imagine playing Weird. Halo as a kid and not being able to have a grind session with your buddies at, in no. the early a.m.? No. <laughs> That'd be so like, weird. Fuck. That's so weird. But again, there is such a giant market. They own, and most of their money comes from mobile gaming. So let's talk about Genshin Impact. So do you think that they do a good job with their time to money ratio? Why is that? Like explain people who, who don't play Genshin, like why it's good and what that ratio looks like for you. Genshin's also an oddball because it's not just mobile or PC. It's also console, too. True. Yeah, yeah. so it's multiple markets here. But it's still it's obviously doing very good. But Yin, what do you think? What do you it's think of that? A, it's kind of a bad example. And I apologize for giving that. Because it's not like you can... You still have to do gotcha pulls to get any of the premium currencies. Mm. Or, or not pre premium currencies, but the uh, the materials. So it's kind of a bad example. Um, but... The delivery of it is only saving you like a couple hours, and you're probably just using it as offhand currency. You have some saved up if you are doing pull. So it's not really the greatest example. Right. What do you think would be a decent example for like a game that you can recognize that has a good? Here's you can either do this grind or you can pay some money and and skip it. Or do you think that whole model is bad? I mean, where do you stay on that position? I honestly can't come up with any specific examples where that actually works well. Okay. I, I don't. I don't have any good games that I can think of. If anyone in chat has any. Yeah, does anybody in chat this? know of a game that you think that has... I mean, I personally am against that. I that's I think that's where my my microtransactions come to a stop for me. Is I don't yes. like games that have a... I don't mind games that have a grind. Let me put that out there first. Let me set the, the baseline here. Games with a grind are not an issue. Games that have a grind, but then have a pay option to skip that grind is... is I think personally unethical and I think it it is predatory on gamers and it just is I just I don't know of a better way of, or a better term to think about it really um, so, I mean, anything that comes to mind like even like clash of clans for mobile devices has the pay to skip or the pay to wait or whatever the heck it's called yeah uh, model the pay to I, the pay to like refill stamina yeah yeah that model is so weird too, but I get it. I mean, if you like, for example, we talked to uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked to Carrot and Bombay, and both, I mean, Carrot's probably spent close to 10,000 freaking dollars on that game. Bombay said he spent at least $1,500 on that game because it's I to would, skip whatever, you know, they do the I same would, thing, stamina or whatever the case may be. I would say early Hearthstone. Okay. As Explain. As someone who's played since release on and off, I've came back to the game like eight times. I'll play a season, drop it, come back when the next expansion comes out. Okay. Their earlier, like how they had their game built earlier was so much better than how it is now. Okay. So before, every three games you win, you get 10 gold. 100 okay. gold for a pack. Okay, so, 100, so 10 games you win, you get a no, pack. 30 games you win, okay. you get one pack. Got it, got so it. that's a grind, I'll admit. That's that, that was the old system, and that was a grind. Right. Now they've got a tavern pass system similar to a battle pass system and it's kind of <laughs> shitty so you have to pay 10 bucks you get the tavern pass within okay. the tavern pass you get a boosted xp and you get to grind through the xp or the tavern pass for i'm not going to pull it up on stream but um you get x amount of gold you get packs you get uh card arts you get uh hero arts that like decorate your person for 
like how you show off between interaction of you can jump into a game and then you have either the default character profile or you have the alternate art. Okay, so it's like a, just a cosmetic. Yeah. Got it. So the gold, you can actually get a shitload of gold from the tavern pass, but it's still less than you would if you were still doing the old grind of three wins for 10 gold. Okay. Because people averaged out and did the math. And I think in, in the entirety of the tavern pass, since that system started, I'm sitting at right about 6,000 gold. And the tavern pass goes from level one to level 50. And in that level, I think I got like 4,800. Any level past 50, every time you level, it's only like 50 gold. So I'm like 50. Every level, or every two levels, I'm getting one pack, essentially. Damn. So for the next expansion, I can buy uh, whatever packs. The, the tavern pass system grind itself isn't that bad because you have dailies and you have weeklies that give you XP towards levels on the tavern pass. And it fills up pretty quick. It As the levels get higher and higher, it takes more XP. When they first had it, there was outrage because it was like 64,000 XP total for the entire Tavern Pass. And they dropped it down to like 37,000. Okay. Because people's outrage were like, dude, this but, system is so much worse than the old one. But what's primarily... So now has the price of the, the pack open changed no. at all? So uh, the price of the pack, no, hasn't changed. So it's still okay. 100 for a pack. So I have 6,000 gold. I can buy 60 packs. Got it. Okay. So I can buy essentially a pre-order because it's 80 bucks. Well, there's there. They do two different pre-orders. They do a $40 pre-order and an $80 pre-order every time a new set comes out. And then okay. they also did their first ever. So like, that's like set. their expansion. I'm just trying to understand from like the, so the bottom. So there's new here. card sets that come out with each expansion of like card games. So you'll get a set and then that set is like the new meta type uh it'll introduce like new keywords like magic the gathering or you go i know you're not much of a card guy but mm -mm. there would be keywords like rush your monster summons in and it can attack other monsters but it okay. can't attack face charge just means as soon as it's in it can fight um normal monsters can't just drop right, in and i fight. get that but what, what uh, so how is the grind like from a microtransaction perspective how has the grind uh to card ratio changed like is it is it really changed that badly where you know you won 30 games you get a pack or whatever the case may be like now they've gone to this more season pass did they start with the season pass no the season pass okay. came out when dark moon fair came out which came out like so now they're double dipping and that my friend pisses me off <laughs> that so stuff pisses me off so bad man and we're now we're gonna talk about destiny 2 <laughs> It's been past 30 minutes. All right. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Continue. I was just very happy that uh, I, I made it until 246. <laughs> before, yeah. Before that happened. Uh, so they have like, yeah, you can straight up buy packs. You can buy like the expansion set before it comes out. But the thing with their thing, the, how their card packs work is you can buy, let's say, 40 packs. You're guaranteed a legendary within one in 32 packs jesus yeah the pull rate that's honestly better than most i mean it's TCG. better than genshin genshin is like 0 0.05 the or issue whatever. is with normal card games say if i pull out Yu-Gi-Oh or magic or pokemon or uh fucking like any of those card games tcg based card mm -hmm. games in irl that have cardboard they have monetary value as a resell Digital card games, Hearthstone, Fairy, um, Magic the Gathering Arena, 
whole bunch of them they don't have revalue so as soon as you plug in mm -hmm. the only intrinsic value isn't you can't re i mean you could resell your account i'm assuming but bungo would not be happy about that no uh or battlenet but um the value of your money is just your time sink now so are you going to get entertainment out of the packs mm. personally me i do because i get on and play almost every day i play either standard or they have different modes they have battlegrounds and arena and whatnot those are different so um, you would say that it's a little bit more subjective in this manner because for example if i wanted to jump into hearthstone the I would free to play side of it is ass. Okay, so that answers the question. So that I would be more incentivized as a new player to have to pay money up they, front. Yeah, they have a thing for new players where like you log in, you get the classic set, but you won't have any of the previous expansion stuff. You won't have any of the previous dungeon runs, which gets you cards that are unlockable through different quests. You get like a set deck and you go into like this dungeon and you have to beat this boss in multiple stages or whatever. You don't have access to those if you haven't had them in the past and they're rotated out hmm. or those sets are rotated out in there in wild versus standard so i still so that, that's obviously a bad example for what transactions would be that's a bad transaction microtransaction right just off yeah. the bat i mean let's talk a little about season pass here yen i don't know i don't know about that okay go ahead that yeah that elaborate if if you're playing the game like a demo right you mm -hmm. want to try out hearts you get a free copy of all the cards that you need. You get a good setup. You can't necessarily play the game to the most competitive level, but you could certainly, after a grind, jump in on the battle pass, pay a little bit. Because if you're, I mean, would you, Zion, you put enough hours into the game to consider it like a $60 game. It's more right? than a $60 game at this point, but yeah. Well, right. but like, you consider it more. You would pay, it's, you would pay so, 60 bucks to play the game, right? If, if I yeah. came in as a free to play player and I enjoyed the game and I put in $60, would that make me in a season? be a competitive person for that season depending on where you put the 60 dollars. if you, i would put you could put 10 in the tavern pass mm -hmm. and through that unlock more packs you would unlock card art you would unlock the hero arts mm -hmm. you would unlock that kind of stuff as you progress to the season pass if you kept playing enough to keep unlocking right. like if you're on right. top of your right. dailies if you're on top of so the tavern pass released i think like december 11th and i finished it january 2nd so it took me about a month of playing every day to finish it. And that's 50 levels, like the XP rate. It's kind of weird. I wasn't so, always on every day, so I didn't finish all of my dailies or all of my weeklies. But if you're if you're like it. really efficient there every day doing your shit, you can you do can, it faster. And I'm then sure you could be competitive, could. right? So I could be a competitive player. If I start Hearthstone today and I put in what? 60 bucks, could I be competitive for that season? It's possible. It depends on your pull luck when you get it's uh, that's true you have to deal with the rng there's the hook mm -hmm. that's the hook but it's like if you sink enough time into one class and focused on let's say right now because they just did a mini set they have uh rogue is nuts right now and paladin is nuts right now if you picked one of those two classes and played nothing but that class you could probably get to legend rank which is the highest rank you can do but it's on a scale so there's bronze silver gold uh, platinum diamond and then there's legend and when you get to legend you're stuck in legend until the end of the season seasons rotate once every month i usually go to about upper end gold lower end platinum like i end i think the highest i ended last season was like plat eight okay. and that was just the month of december with all this new shit that came out um right now i'm actually making a push but 
if you wanted to be competitive and you wanted to pull, if you got the actual, if you got like one or two of the legendaries to craft, and you had enough remaining from your pulls to craft any other cards you needed, or you pulled most of the cards you needed out of that 50 bucks. So say you put 10 in, and then you put 50 bucks towards packs, and you bought 50 bucks towards packs, probably be 45, 50-ish packs. You'd so get, maybe is the answer. You'd get one, <laughs> possibly two guaranteed legendaries if you had good RNG. That's enough to make one of those decks. Okay. Fair so, enough. So, so, yes. So yes. So yes. Oh, wait, yes. I could... I could it, if I put in $60, how long does that last? How long does that one season last before they come out with a new expansion? They usually do... Let me see what the gap is between... Like five if, months, six if months? If I do six... Is it longer than I would pay for, like, Valhalla? Because I could play Valhalla in 40 hours, not enjoy it as much because of the way that the grind is. True. And I could get more money, more enjoyment for my money out of a free-to-play game by dumping dollars in. And that's kind of, I think, the easiest way for people to justify spending money in a free-to-play game is just associate whatever the current game value is, which will soon be 70 but currently still 60 Just drop $60 on a free-to-play game and see how much happiness that really brings you. Like, if it, if it seems worth it so at that, that point... that expansion that. started late November, early December, and it's going to rotate out in April. It's not, okay. like, not, like, completely out of existence, so... But it'll be, like, six-month cycle. They, yeah. Well, they have a yearly cycle where... Past sets will, you've got up to like, there's eight sets that are out right now, I think, and they rotate the older four, and then they introduce a new set. So then you'll be at five, and then six, and then seven, and then eight, and then they drop the old four, and then five, and then so six. So they, they're doing sunsetting. Yeah, yeah, and it's pretty much every three months they add a new set. But then they're at three to, three to four months. So this is where I would have an issue with this then, because it seems like. You just said you said two things during that that really stuck out. Number one, there's no intrinsic value. Uh, it's not like a trading card game where you have like Yu-Gi-Oh cards or Pokemon cards where you can resell them at a later date for your pull value, right? Or so you don't have no intrinsic value. So the the value, like Yin said, has to come from um, the, your. Do you think it's worth it? It's a it's an inner. Do you think it's worth it? Um, and number two, so like, go ahead. I paid 148 bucks for that. Right. I made half of it back with this card. Perfect. Yeah. So you have exactly. So you have the little. You have a literal value, not just the the enjoyment of opening card packs and opening up. Um, you get the dopamine so, hit, and but mm -hmm. you also can collect. Exactly. So you get both. Whereas Hearthstone, Gwent, all these other games, there is only the dopamine of opening the pack and then building a deck and potentially winning will be a second hit, right? We could say that, like winning and going up in ranks, right? But it's all intrinsic value that you value, like your value on that game. Like Yin said, you pay 60 bucks and do you get enough enjoyment like of a $60 game? Will you get enough enjoyment? And if the answer is yes, then you might be willing if, to pay more. If I completely started over and I only looked at it with a $60 value, I don't think I would. Nope, but that's knowing what I know having played it since release because I have uh, my uncle and I both started playing on release and we played like together. And we would play each other. Not only would we play other people, but we like play each other. We'd strategize decks and stuff. We'd watch YouTubers. Eventually, we watch yeah. Twitch streamers. Dude. And still, like once or twice a month, he and I will message each other and be like, "Hey, let's play a game or two or three or five. Right. But that's the thing is you've not only found intrinsic value, but now you're playing a, on it like basically a team, having fun. You know. So it's I would say it'd be different for you. But if I, you just said something, you kind of counter, you contradicted what you said earlier because. If I paid 60 bucks as a new player who doesn't know shit, 
I still wouldn't be, you know, it's like, I wouldn't know what I know now. You know what I mean? Like knowing what I know and having been through all of the different expansions, all of the different dungeons, all of the different like content of the past and having that knowledge and then coming in essentially free to play for the 60 bucks, uh, 60 bucks is a drop in the bucket compared to what I've spent over the last like four right. years, five well, years. Let's get off of Hearthstone for a bit. Let's talk a little bit. Uh, you said something about season pass. Now, Yen, how do you feel about season passes? Do you think they fall underneath? They, they technically are and aren't a microtransaction. They're kind of Question, like this though, weird is it thing. Season passes or battle passes? Yes. Are they I both? Oh, I think he, I think he's referring to battle pass with like the levels and tiers. Levels, tiers, you get items per tier and it's only a season. It lasts for a season. So before I hit that real quick, I want to say that the difference between having a material thing and having um, the ease of access and the entertainment value from Hearthstone is very different. Collecting mm. Pokemon cards, you're less inclined. I don't know how many people actually play Pokemon. Like if you ask anyone who collects Pokemon cards, how many people actually play the game? That's true. It's a very smaller. It's group. a lot less than those that collect. That's right. true. Yeah. And in Hearthstone, I can go online. I can play a rank system. I can have rules that are updated as soon as I boot up the game. Like, oh, look, new packs are out. I can have oh, changes can have, to rule set. You can have patch notes. Yeah. yeah. Day one. Instantly. Day one. If you want to make a change, change let, let, let you want to make a change. If you want to make a change in Pokemon, like how are you going to get that change out? How are you going to get tournaments set up? You have mm. to go to these events. You have to go to all these things. You have to go travel. With Hearthstone, I can just boot up the game. I can right. straight up play it. And I have a rank system. I have I can play with friends anywhere. I can, you know, there's a whole range of different features that come in from a collectible card game online than there is in person. So right. it, it really is a difference between a material thing and consuming it as a, as a form of entertainment. If mm. I go to the movie theaters, I'm paying $20 for a ticket to go see a movie. Um, and then after I go see it, it's now consumed. So the, the, it's important to make the distinction that a card game is kind of, at least I view it in that way. True. I think video, you made a great distinction. Like if you go to a movie, you see it, it's consumed after those two hours, it's gone. And a video game is in a different realm of entertainment completely because it's the replayability of something to re-experience something in a new way. Or if a dev drops a new piece of DLC, they can experience it. I think where the line gets blurry is where we start getting into these battle passes and these microtransactions to help either your grind or FOMO. And we've said this a few times today, so let's really classify FOMO and the damage. I personally think it's damaging. FOMO coupled with a battle pass is very predatory. And I would like to put that out there before anything, but I want to hear everybody's position and then we'll kind of coalesce a little bit here. Um, Yin, how do you feel about I that? I think battle passes are a necessary evil. I, okay. I, I really do. Interesting. In a okay. game, and I'll go back to Genshin. Genshin gives you a bunch of materials that help speed up your process. However, the game is free to play. Mm. If I'm playing a game over a long period of time that is free to play, if I can drop $10 a month or every, what is it, every month and a half, mm. $10 seems like a decent value proposition for me. I'm getting enough materials to enjoy what I'm doing, and I don't think it's going to you know, throw me over the rails right on how much i'm spending on the game to get a what i believe to be fair amount of content now i see ingrained in the chat saying that it's only acceptable for cosmetics but it is speeding up and you are playing it as a play game right so i don't necessarily take as much issue with that i don't necessarily think it's that predatory and in some cases um i don't think fear of missing out really matters so much in that i think if there's cool stuff yeah you probably want to be in that but every game has that nowadays fear of missing out that's what makes you cool i was there from the beginning you know that right. sort of thing yeah so let, talk a little bit more about FOMO a little bit and, and for people who don't understand, like what are some of the tactics that game developers are doing 
to implement FOMO. Because I, I agree with you. I think FOMO is being put into every game at, uh, in some way, shape, or form. Maybe not grandiose some games, but... I mean, it's there. I mean, even World of Warcraft now is starting to embrace it a little bit where you're you're missing out on the gear. You're missing out on stuff. You know, you're missing out like you log in every week cause, to do your dungeon runs because if you don't get that, then you miss out the key and you might get a better chance of getting gear for next week. And if you miss out, you're going to be behind the curve. You know what I mean? So it's like that constant FOMO has gotten worse as time's gone on. Um, and I, I, I think uh, couple that with a battle pass, I think it can be pretty bad. And uh, where is it? Go ahead. I think it's a necessary evil, like Yin said, with exceptions. Okay. COD Modern Warfare had a battle pass system where you buy it for your 10 bucks, you buy it to 25 and skip to tier 25. So you're one quarter of the way done and then you can grind the rest of the way out. Okay. The issue is not only is there the cosmetic side of it, there's also the blueprint side of it, which we've talked about this before on the other uh, loot box podcast where the blueprints skip your level grind. Say you jump into COD matches and you want to level up a weapon to get an attachment. Odds on there's a blueprint that has the attachments you want, or at least some of them. Right. And then you can level up faster with the attachments already added on. But um, the issue with the battle pass in COD is they had a cosmetic that was being abused for their competitive scene. Uh, okay. Warzone, Here. they had a operator skin that essentially was like active camouflage. And I'm not talking about a guy in a ghillie suit. There was an operator that had, um, she was wearing, It's I think her name was Rose, was the operator's name. And she had like an all black suit. Everything was black. And she could hide into like room shadows. And what? people were running for higher <laughs> FPS on. Yeah, people could like, literally you could walk into a room and not see her. That's crazy. And people were doing, there was a, screenshot of one of the warzone tournaments not too long ago where literally you queue in and in the last like split two three seconds before the lobby queues in it'll show like 30 people on your screen and the guy screenshot it and it was all the rose chick oh okay so people were obviously abusing it yeah and it only came from the battle pass yes okay so that's you you just hit on something that i really want to talk about um so Obviously with the battle pass. So I think personally, let's go ahead and set up this argument a little bit here. I'm going to play devil's advocate. So microtransactions, right? If we're going to have a game that costs 60, soon to be 70, you've already got these other things that you can buy, whether that's boxes to get pull chances, uh, or just, we'll just say microtransactions that slow down the amount of time it takes to get that item. So less grind. You're paying for less grind, right? And then you add on the battle pass on top of that. I mean, you're... The game developers are making hand over foot money. I mean, they're making initial buy, any DLC they release, battle passes Publish. that publishers. The publishers making hand over foot. Thank you. Yes. Correction. Publishers. But here's the. All right. This is going to be a little off topic, but I really think this ties into everything we're talking about right now. Game developers used to make money by making good content, that content doing well, the gamer experiencing that content. And then that game kind of being like, oh, on the shelf. Great game. Thank you. And now there is this giant push by publishers on developers to create games that never die. Destiny 2, World of Warcraft, 
Valhalla seems to have that same thing where you're just supposed to keep playing. Come back for those dailies and the weeklies. You better come back so you get your boat oars or whatever the fuck. You know, like it seems like every game, uh, uh, Genshin Impact, again, that's a gotcha game, but still, we're starting to see this trend of games that come out where it's that it's not okay to just have that one experience and shelf the game. They want them to last forever. And Ian, would you say Arknights does that too? With like wanting you to continue playing the game for yes seemingly bottomlessly the the thing is microtransactions are necessary because of the game development costs game Mm. costs are so much higher and i think the the big example i can give you is multiplayer games at the beginning were an experience you'd buy goldeneye and you'd play with your friend halo 3 was if you think halo 3 right you paid 60 dollars up front and then eventually you know 40 and then 30 and then 20 and a lot of those games were resold and so these developers and these companies like Bungie are maintaining playlists, maintaining all of, for what? What are they getting out of this? They're they're maintaining the community, right? And they're building this goodwill. But what is that goodwill really going to do? I mean, like, you see what uh, Ubisoft has been doing with Assassin's Creed. People are furious at Assassin's Creed. The game was, you know, released to... What was the one that had the, the glitchiest garbage of all time? Like Brotherhood. Ooh, I even match. know that one. <laughs> and yet, I heard about that. Out next year, and everyone buys it. So what right. is Goodwill really getting at that point? So Bungie spent four or five years maintaining this game, maintaining these hoppers for people to play in, maintaining the ranks, updating the playlist. Unity, thank you. Unity, that's um, the one. And they're getting nothing for it, right? So what does that Goodwill really get you? you if people are still going to buy your next game, like, yeah, you get a reputation, but you're not getting any additional money. You're spending resources on maintaining this content. You're paying developers to do this. Content. You know, so what are you getting out of it over that five-year span? Nothing. Because like a lot of the games are going through GameStop, or you know you're not buying a game new anymore, and it's even then it's not sixty dollars. Right. So it's kind of necessary to to fund it somehow. Yeah, but Yin, what about those? And this is me playing devil's advocate. But what about those people who just can't help themselves, who just want to pay all the money to get the best stuff and be the most elite? What What so, about those guys? People who are Leviathan. That's unfair to everybody else, right? I right. I don't. Okay, so is it a multiplayer game or a single player game? It's a multiplayer game. Let's start with that multiplayer game. What are you? What multiplayer game are you able to buy your way to the the end? Oh, I don't. And I'm just really saying just... in in general. I'm just saying in general. Okay, I uh, okay. I have a great ex- no great example. World of Warcraft. I know I I was singing praises, but you can spend you can spend two hundred dollars and have more gold than you know what to do with, and you can actually buy item level items that'll put you into higher tier stuff now doesn't mean that you can complete the higher tier stuff so there's a skill gap but mm-hmm. if i want to jump from say i'm level 200 to item level 220 that's going to give me a significant advantage in arenas and battlegrounds now other people will catch up but i could just toss my credit card and just keep buying new item level gear so let's put, like put that way pvp too yeah yikes Yikes! Is I right. Don't I don't actually know about that, but I disagree with that. I think that sucks. I think that's a terrible. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. I don't know if it's still applied because we haven't played in so long. I stopped playing. Fuck a while ago, but Destiny Two, Shards of Light. Okay, explain. Because you could have it was a catch-up option. You could say we were what seven fifty when we left, and we come back and we can do a Shard of Light and bump up to. Well, they bumped the minimum to 1050 regardless, but say you could have pre, I think pre shadow keep, you could have, you could erase one of your characters, make a new character, buy a shard of light, and it would jump you to like 500, 600, Mm -hmm. 750. 
and End then game. you would do blues until you got to the last little tiny tier jump yeah no i agree with that and again I'm, go ahead i'm not totally against that because what if you have a friend who's joining you on destiny for the first time after the move to steam yeah, yeah I'm you not want either. them to come bring that content with you. Yeah, well, now they're like new to the game. And they don't. They don't want to mess with that. They want to play with their friends. So they, and you don't want to run that content for the seventh time because you've been playing for years. Yeah, so World of I mean, Warcraft like, has the same thing. Yeah, World of Warcraft seems like a. I'll do some more research. On that, well, I, they had I, so they had in World of Warcraft they had it where you had level you had a level all the way from level one all the way to one twenty the last expansion for BFA. That's a lot of fucking levels that you got to do. It's a lot of content you got to go through. And they made the grind less. But now they've they did a level squish. They just squished it to sixty Dude, is now I the max. Out at like twenty two on that fucking. Imagine doing a hundred and twenty levels, bro. It's For multiple am- characters. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So people would, you know, if you're a, if you've been playing the game for a while. Now here's one thing, Yin, that will help you with that money thing, right? They have a thing called WoW tokens. What you'll do is a WoW token. You can actually set. You can you can either buy them with in-game gold for a WoW token, or right. you can sell. You can just buy them for money. So a WoW token will give you a couple of things. You can either, you can like pay for your account. So if you wanted to play that game for free, if you made enough money in game, you can actually play World of Warcraft for free. Like right. you don't have to pay the 15 bucks. That came about like what? Uh, a year ago? No, no, it's been out since I, Cataclysm. It's been out since Cataclysm. It's been out for a while now. Um, so you can do that for a while. So you can have, they have this in-game market where you can either grind for gold, pay for a WoW token, and that WoW token will pay for your game time. So you can just, that's nice and easy trade, right? And vice versa. You can sell your WoW token for in-game gold. Or, you know, so there's all that, that transactions going on. Um, so when they introduced that you could start doing boost for characters, well, you could pay for with it with WoW tokens. So if you had five characters all at 120 and you're busting your butt and say my friend wanted to come on, I don't have I could just have him level, I can level up the character with him or whatnot. If he bl- flies past me and gets to 120, I can just boop. All the way up to 120 immediately with some decent gear. So I, I don't think that's a bad idea, especially in a game with 120 levels. But, but imagine playing Destiny. Destiny's issue is not. Destiny's issue is the same fucking story, no matter what. Just for character upon character upon character, it's just the same grind, the same story, the same bosses, the same levels, and you're just playing that until you hit hit the 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 end game. Which sucks. World of Warcraft is like, oh, I can go level here, or I can go here, or I could just do dungeons instead, or I could just do, I could level in this zone, or I can go through this storyline. That's where the, I would say the differentiate, like, the big difference is. I think it's actually more beneficial to have it in Destiny 2 than it is in World of Warcraft. Because you can play World of, you can make eight new characters in World of Warcraft, and they'd all have different storylines, different leveling, different everything. Everything would be different. Whereas Destiny 2, it's like Warlock. This is your starting point. Go get your ship. Go, you know, fight this boss. Oh, you know, the tower gets attacked here. This, you know, all that shit happens in sequence. And you have to just play it over and over and over again if you want new characters, which is crazy to me. So I would definitely pay for a token there. I'm like, fuck this. (laughs) I'm doing that grind again. Fuck that. I think I did for my hunter. I don't even remember. On D. Go ahead. For the competitive WoW, is the. Is there like a growing presence of people paying to win in arena? Because I, w- I feel like that would ruin the multiplayer experience as it is. Like I feel like there would be a balancing issue, and that would be on uh, Bethesda or not Bethesda Blizzard to fix. So I would say, let me 
elaborate a little bit more. Uh, I'll put this in perspective for you. So there is also, there's a couple different things. You have WoW Battlegrounds, WoW Arena, and you also have Mythic Progression. It's called Mythic Raid Progression. And they take it seriously. There's like world first raid progression. So the team that won Castle Nathria, their uh, Mythic Raid Progression, took them like five weeks to do it. And on top of that, they spent 460 million gold, in-game gold, in order to make that happen. So they bumped up all of their raid team, gave them all of the potions, buffs, everything. So there's a giant advantage to the more money you have as a player and as a guild to tackle more content. This is also the same for arenas, because no matter what, they try and base the arena damage like based on whatever your character is, right? But when you introduce item levels, and those item levels also have modifiers, those modifiers are what you're going for. And so you could pay money, so I can either just run 10 dungeons and get a chance at running this one modifier, or I can pay somebody to craft it at a higher item level, just pay them. So you're always kind of ahead of the curve, and that's where that edge comes in, because you have money for, I don't have the gold to spend on potions and, and flasks and all these like knickknacks that you can do that give you a competitive edge, but people with money can just pay for a WoW token and get all the gold they want to do that. And so they're, they're, they're paying the money to get that competitive edge. But everybody's doing that. Every single high tier skill level over 3000 is doing that. So that's what that's how they do it. They're like the whales of the arena, basically. Yeah, which, which is kind of shitty. But that's but World of Warcraft and the Blizzard team are like, no, you can get it again. Here we here we come with the grind thing. You can grind castle nathria and get lucky and pull good gear and get the modifiers you want and you can run dungeon keystones up to 15 every single week it's gonna be a grind but you can do it so the people with money people who've been playing for 15 years now that have gold since they start, first started playing you know they don't think anything about it but for a new player you almost want to if you want to do arenas you better put some money down you just, okay, there's so you no around it Playing for 15 years, that means that that person theoretically does not have to spend anything. They just have a whole ton of gold amassed. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, I'm talking so in, billions. In that instance, then it's not too bad because they already have, like, they've, they've earned their stripes. They've yes. earned the ability to to get those items up front. Like, they played, they put in the hours. So I think, in a way, yeah, they kind of deserve to be able to hit that content first because they just have a huge amass of gold. So, and then one thing they do to balance things is that every content drop that they have for World of Warcraft... So you buy, you buy the game, you buy the expansion. So for this expansion, Shadowlands, and then through the content lifespan of Shadowlands, they just give you new expansions, which come in the form of new dungeons, new raids, new storyline, everything. And just kind of continues throughout until the expansion goes away. So Castle Nathria, they will have an item level kind of cap that you can get to per season. But then that next season, it becomes completely worthless. Like the item level goes up tremendously so all that stuff you've been grinding for in that season goes to shit it doesn't matter so people who spend money to buy wow tokens to get in-game gold it doesn't last for that long and by the end of each micro expansion it doesn't matter because everybody's caught up to that item level if they've been doing their weeklies and again this comes to the time versus money the money really comes into play at the beginning of a season when nobody has gear and they're paying millions of dollars to get a super competitive advantage on everybody else so they can either do high tier arenas or push mythic content 
So it's it's so you're, you're basically running whales against whales. You're literally running whales against the masses, and the masses will just eventually catch up, and then everybody hits the reset button. And it's all off to the races for the next expansion when the new raid comes out. Because then everybody, again, that raid content's done. So now everybody's pushing for mythic content. Like the next world first mythic. Or the next person to finish a plus 15 keystone. Or the next, you know, arena champion. Or whatever the case may be. So it's it's definitely, definitely crazy, man. It's a good time. I mean... The average Joe like me who plays like I know I'm never going to be top arena. I know I'm never going to be world first mythic player. I don't have that kind of time nor money to do that kind of shit. I know, you know, so I'm I'm in that game. I'm comfortable where I'm at playing like I get on to do some dungeons. I play the content. I have some fun. I'm good to go. But to be competitive, you got to have some moolah, moolah, moolah. And I don't got that shit. <laughs> I'm not willing to pay. But um, I know we kind of went off a little bit topic there. All right. So let's have some fun. Let's have some fun. Give me, if I gave you a magic wand, here's a pen. Here's a magic wand pen. Yen, you have the pen. What is a perfect system that will fix everything right now? If every game developer and publisher went to the new system that you create with this magic pen, what would it be? Yikes, dude, that's a loaded question. I know it is, but I just want to i want to give you the floor to explain everything and what would be a good way of doing this. Like, you you, you are now the governing body. You make the law. You're Arnold Schwarzenegger. If we're making a long-term game, it really depends on the genre. It really depends on a whole number of factors. If we are coming out with a game that we want to run for a very long time, I think that... And you guys can dispute this. I think that that Battle Pass system is... Probably the best way to do it. I really think that at this juncture in time, yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Yeah, like I have, I have the sustained income is important. the The sustained income to pay your developers to keep pumping out good content is important because I think if you have a lot of money coming in, and it also depends on forcing the publishers to pay more attention to their devs and actually make sure that they're taken care of. Because we have Cyberpunk, for example. Um, sorry, I'm going off topic here. That's okay. No, Cyberpunk. Explain everything. All the developers are rushed. The living shit like they are stressed out and i think this is going to be kind of a jump but if you had a game that is more sustained and you have steady income coming in you have a subscription model you can actually see those numbers coming in consistently every quarter every month whatever you can ease on your developers a little bit and give them a little bit more creative freedom not necessarily crunch them as hard because you have this steady flow of income and when you release content you can see what works what doesn't because people will subscribe and unsubscribe true and you're going to hear people on reddit you know what to tune People want to play your game. There's no end to feedback. People are very vocal about this one. Yes. So you know what you're doing wrong. You know how to fix things. So it, just that steady model income is huge. Hmm. Uh, I think cosmetics aren't necessarily a bad option as long as there's no huge changing competitive advantage. And if it's like, especially if it's a single player game, like who cares? Single player yeah. game. You want to show off in co-op and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so not necessarily single player, but co-op. So, but as long as it's not a competitive game where there's like pvp then there's you know and even then skins don't like weapon skin and cod necessarily matter um as long as you provide the other side of things there should be um items that are locked behind your progression like if you valorant does this there's skins but there are also now gun buddies for whatever rank you finished hmm. so if you get immortal or whatever you have a gun buddy that shows hey man i'm I'm a good player. Here's my equipment that shows that I'm a good player. 
So all of a sudden, for me as a competitive person, I don't give two hoots that you've got some ice skin or some present-looking thing that I don't care about. I care about seeing that cool name card that shows that, man, you know your stuff. You're one of those top players. Right. And someone else could actually care about that cosmetic thing, but I don't. So, like, you know, you have those two two realms of, or schools of thought that you can go into. So offering both options. Good. Okay. So, and that also Apex does that. For example, yeah. Apex, they have the banner, and, or and not the banner, um, the little badge. Have, and it says it's your predator. Yeah, like if you, but well, you have to earn that. No, no, no. So they have the badges, which are unlocked through gameplay or participation in events mm -hmm. or i have one just for owning it pre-order i have the founder's badge since right. day one i had the game essentially bleach has it too um but what's kind of dumb is after after release for like the next two weeks or so you could still buy the founder's pack so technically not everybody that like got into the game has it but they so, also, but I'm saying they, they're a game that has a battle pass, but also has an in-game system where you have to earn things in-game and you can't buy it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, have, you have your badges, you have your dive trails, which the dive trails are specifically locked behind. It's Diamond, Master, Pred are the only three dive trails, unless you played in Season 1, Season 2, and okay. then they had a Platinum dive trail as well. I got you. So, okay, so Zion, your turn. Magic Wand. What would be the same thing? What would be the perfect microtransaction if every single game developer has to listen to you and then they implement what you say? What would you do? It'd have to be something that doesn't affect gameplay. Okay, so it seems like the, the growing on, theme on here my, is gameplay. My mind is having played COD and having played other games that have been affected by like a battle pass item or affected by a blueprint weapon that you can only get behind a paywall i hate that system because mm. if joe schmo andy wants to jump in and go into Warzone and go fry with the mac 10 that he got through the battle pass or he bought the blueprint for it that has a 50 round mag and then i have to spend three hours in nuketown 24 7 or shipment 24 7 or any kind of playlist snd whatever and you have to get all your kills and rank the gun up enough to get said 50 round attachment. The fuck's the point? Right. Yeah, if you can just be bought, then why why grind? You know? I, I, I agree. So basically, it's going to come down for you. It's going to come down to gameplay. And for Yin, it's going to come down to gameplay. But it's also going to come down to making sure... Um, I, and I guess... Okay, let me step back a little bit. Yin, to your point, what do you think developers can do moving forward to find a line we know we, we're kind of doing a little bit of a full, full circle here because you're talking about more more hmm. we're basically coming back to more oversight and that's really what it comes down to because we've we've seen where games do it right and do it wrong so what would the governing body be what would it what would it look like so when i was talking about the, the easiest way i can go into governing bodies is by using gotcha because I know Gotcha has okay. praise on the worst type of person and or the worst tendencies of people. And that's gambling addiction. I right. think there He's should kidding. be I think there should be some protections against people overspending money. And I think that's the easiest way to kind of start reining in people. Yes, I know publishers kind of shoehorn developers into putting stuff in and using the grind. I'm sure developers don't like that. They're stuck right. behind NDA, so they can't really say anything. But I mean you got people who are, who are unemployed. Who want to make cool games that people enjoy and then 
when they get told, no, you can't do this, or you know, in this meeting, we're changing the system, it kind of hurts your own morale, because it's like, I want to create a cool product, and now it's going to be diminished, or people are going to hate me on Reddit. I can't, I don't want to be, you know, told, I don't want to tell people that I'm a developer for this, because people are going to start assuming that I'm a terrible person. Right. Um, but I think, as far as, like, gotcha games go, there should be some kind of protection against people who wail, but don't have the means to. Uh yeah, there's so, no way of, I mean, from a developer standpoint, there's no way of telling. Because you're just, somebody's entering a credit card. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there, there needs to be a way to, one, I think the, the easiest jump would be to have a screen that showcases exactly how much you've spent. Mm. And I, it's going to stop, publishers are not going to go for this, developers aren't going to go for this, because it's a huge, it's going to stop people from spending. Right. No, that's huge, though. I mean, we talked about this with uh, no. This is you have a, you're onto something right here because we talked about this with Carrot in Bombay, and even Carrot himself, I had the clip of it, said, "Hey, I've probably spent ten thousand dollars, but I don't want to know." But yeah, if you have your number that you spent the entire amount of money you spent, and it's literally in front of your face, that might make you think twice about clicking. Hey, I need to, I need to buy this loot box. You read what's Shion. Yeah, I saw that Shion was saying some stuff. Have a gotcha police? We can't have gotcha police. Hold on. So to, to Strider's point, uh, it is someone's choice, but some people have addictive personalities. People hit that that slot machine, and they have a physical like coin amount in then their hands. So they have rip to put, and keep yeah. letting it rip. If I put my credit card in, the whole point of like having the conversion rate on those gems in those games, like you drop ninety nine bucks and it converts to six thousand four hundred eighty. It removes that dollar association, so you really don't know how much you're spending. But some people are just so hooked trying to get a character that they, they overspend. Oh, yeah. Some people are whales for the sake of being a whale. And I don't take issue with those people. Some people go in and they say, look, I make enough money. I enjoy this game. I'm going to get this character. I don't care. And with that mentality, I, um, I it sounds weird, but I think that's acceptable. To me, I find that acceptable because they know that they're doing hmm. But you have the people who are... Say... Your buddy on FGO is what you're referencing, right? Yes. Yeah. There's some people like Chaos in the server who he wants something, he's going to get it. And I, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be fine. He has, I don't think it's any kind of like gambling addiction. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it's just that's where he wants to spend his money and he's right. entitled to do it. I take issue with people who don't have those, who go, man, I really want this character. I really want this character. Let me drop 90. And then they spend it and then they didn't get it. So let me drop another 90. And before they know it, they've spent a whole lot. And right. I think having some regulations in there either a total dollar amount that's on the screen or if you place an arbitrary limit you say you know hey when you go to buy hey you spent two hundred dollars in like the last two weeks right you know hit accept to continue past this do you put some kind of screen in there again developers will never want to do this because it actually no. stops people from from spending and here's but, the thing so uh for example right now um in this is 2019. I just pulled this up. The EU, the Parliament for the EU, has brought up this. There was a big debate back then talking about loot boxes, especially when it comes to children. And this is basically in Call of Duty and FIFA. They were they were citing FIFA primarily, um, and that yeah, holds FIFA a buckle. FIFA is the biggest video game industry. Like, ever. it is the big yeah. It is the biggest one of the biggest games of all time. Period. Industry. But on top of that, FIFA has started implementing more and more loot box chances that they've been going through. So the EU started putting clamps down on this, saying, hey, you can't have children buying loot boxes because, like Yin saying, they don't have the self-control or the understanding or even they're, they're not even using their money. They're using their parents' money to 
spend on these these digital items. So here's where I have problems. And I'm going to kind of fight back on this one a little bit, Yen. Um, I don't think buying online items is that big of a deal. I, I don't know. I think, let me elaborate a little bit more on this. For example, I kind of, I've been gaming for 20 plus years. Man. I've, been, I've been gaming forever. And I can't tell you what my guy looked like from Oblivion. I can't tell you what my stats look like for for even World of Warcraft right now. I don't, you know, it's it it's a digital item. It doesn't really matter. But it seems like we're the the general consensus, the gaming industry is slowly moving into these are your collection, these are your items. You know, don't fear I'm missing out. Don't don't do it. You got to pay the money so you get the battle pass, you get this cool armor, so that way three seasons from now you can show off that you were here. And I personally take this is a subjective and personal to me. I don't even play Destiny 2, but I probably spent $200 in Destiny 2, but I couldn't tell you what my character looks like or why it was cool. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter to me. But it does matter to some people, especially like you said, people that play for long term, right? Like Chaos, like if he wants that character and he's going to play this game and he enjoys this game, I get that mentality and I agree with you. I think there needs to be this shift from the importance of these digital items, especially on games that you might not even be playing six months from now. I just wish there was more like, I think there should be more information out there about that. Like this is just a digital item. Like the second you turn your computer off, you're not taking it with you. It's not adding to your character. It's not boosting you up. It's the, once the game is gone, if you don't play that game anymore, you can't take it with you to another game. I just don't, I don't think there's a lot of information on there. I don't think, and I think this is where I bring the kids in. I don't think kids understand that. And I think the more that these practices stay in place, the more kids are subject to it, the more they think that they must get it, and the more FOMO continues in the industry. So those things all kind of come together, um, and I just wish there was more... Personally, if I had the magic wand, if I take the magic pen wand, I would do two things. I would make sure that people understood what these items are that they're buying, right? Like in uh, like the gotcha games, they tell you what your pull chance is. They say, hey, you're going to have to spend this much money because this is your pull chance. But I also wish that came with, hey, disclaimer, this is just a digital item. You cannot take this to other games. I wish there was more like for kids or there was more information. Does that make sense? Am I making a good point here? Can't tell. I think I think we won't have we have this issue because we grew up before microtransactions. I think kids who are growing up now will realize this going forward. I, I, I think- hope. They'll Ooh. be taught it from the beginning. I, I seriously, I, I mean, we're okay. I know we say that now, but I mean, I think, I think 20 years from now, like you said, it's been a non-issue. It's gonna be a non-issue because everybody's gonna kind of know. Just like the internet age, like we kind of grew up in the internet age. We've had both. We've had like early internet and now we've grown up in it forever, right? But I feel like the next generation after even Zion, like Zion, you got like five-year-olds now, 20 years from now, they're going to know that loot boxes exist. They know it's they know it's predatory in nature. They know how to avoid it. They know what they're buying if they want to buy it because they're going to be well more informed than us. I just want, I think I want to find a fix for the next five to 10 years. You know what I mean? The fix is the parent. So mm. parents from this generation did not know how microtransactions work. Right. We do. We have to teach it just like anything else. We teach kids not to gamble, don't smoke. You have to, you, you do all of that as a parent. It's up to the parents who now are, you know, native to this idea of online gaming and all that. Like you've seen the industry, how many right. people are playing them. It's up to them to kind of pay attention. Like parents should be aware of what their kids are doing online. And I'll give a little bit of a pass 
parents who don't have it because right now who just don't have any experience. But I think in the next couple of years, like there's almost no excuse anymore. You know your kids are playing Fortnite. Like it's time to get on your computer and research what these kids are actually doing. That's your responsibility as a parent to enforce yeah. that and inform them to make smart decisions. Not yeah. necessarily the developers to put in a note saying, hey, this doesn't transfer, but the parents to Yeah. And I think okay, now it's time to talk Destiny 2 because uh, Shion's in here talking about it too. I think a bunch of people are kind of talking about it. So well, not Destiny 2, but just I think Destiny 2 did it the worst. All right. I think they were the most they started out with great intentions. Like you said, it's a long term game. So having consistent income coming in is a good thing for developers and is a good thing for development of a game. So it's it's self-perpetuating. And I agree with that. The problem with Destiny 2 is you buy the game you buy the expansion then you got the battle pass you also have loot boxes within the game they have monetized that thing to hell and back and on top of that they still are not coming out with content at a fast enough rate always citing some bullshit still making these i mean right now trials is a joke because of the balancing so they can't even fix their base game but they're still charging an arm and a leg like i don't understand that like i think that's some of probably the worst Right there. Zan, what do you think, man? Would you say that Destiny think? 2 is like a terrible example of what microtransactions are? Before I talk about D2, I want to talk about uh, ingrained message EA Star okay. Wars. With the whole thing with Battlefront 2 and tying into the most downvoted Reddit post of all time. Yes! EA's, EA's first response after they released, they're like, the people that got the early access a week ahead of time of Battlefront 2, including myself on console, were... You would get in and you had to grind for characters star cards cosmetics skins like everything the different guns you had to get all the gun attachments and to unlock all of the character to unlock one character you had to save up this is only in two instances almost everybody else was less than twenty thousand credits so everybody else you could unlock in maybe 10 hours okay so but the issue is Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker on release were at 60,000 credits. To get that many credits, you had to put in 40 hours of gameplay. You had to put in a week at work of gameplay. What? To fucking unlock Vader and Luke Skywalker. What? <laughs> Jesus. And why Why did they think that was a good idea? The most downvoted Reddit post of all time was that EA replied like, sorry about this. We are hearing your responses. We're taking it to mind. And then for two weeks, they went, dead silence and then it came back out and they dropped all of the prices all of them by like half so vader and luke were like they got cut down to like right at the 20k limit because at the start of the game they were busted and then they got nerfed and nerfed and nerfed but the intent is to provide players with a sense of pride and accomplishment for unlocking different heroes yep. that was the first Ooh. Yep. Ooh. now my rebuttal to this is that i played the game for like a month and i had everything like I was max rank in a month. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's because I overplayed it or because people who I was playing against were just really awful or new to the game. But I had no issue unlocking the character. And what I kind of right. liked is that it it I, I don't 
back or justify whatever they're saying. But it did feel like when I had Darth Vader, it was like, oh shit, there's a Darth Vader. And he was pretty crap as a character, let's be honest. Like, right. you, you were better off using like Boba Fett or a whomever. A good Vader can shred a lobby. Boba compared Fett was the anyone, shit. Compared to anyone who could actually shoot at the beginning of the game, you could be undefeated. You didn't have to get anywhere near anyone. Anyone I remember Battlefront 1, like when they came out with the remake, Boba Fett was the shit. I would just shred people's faces with Boba Fett. So, Anybody. Yeah, not to go into an argument about characters, but from the standpoint of going from a pay-to-win game, like legit, you, you could spend, spend 80 bucks, hit on one of the characters in the boxes, and then just start leveling up and getting their star cards, mm -hmm. to now you passively, with the Celebration Edition, and after they stopped updating the game, and now that they just had their free week on Epic and the game blew up and it actually overloaded their servers. Yeah, I saw that too. Bravo. It was good. Yeah. Bravo to them. Um, but yeah, but uh, now it's at the point where you have everyone unlocked. You have everybody right out the gate. You have all the characters, all of the... You have to level them to get the star cards. But by level 20, you have all of the star cards. Then you just need to proceed to keep leveling the ones you want for your different builds. Right. That's it. And that makes sense. And that's much better. I remember that whole scandal of basically the star cards costing. I think they did the math. It was like a thousand hours or something to unlock every star card if you wanted star to. Star cards something. were garbage. Let me, let me yeah. clarify that. The star card idea was terrible. Terrible. They, I'm glad they fixed that. I'm so glad they fixed it. Yeah, good on that. Was yeah, garbage. So when I started playing with ArcFlow, when I found his stream and we, we were grinding that pretty hard on PC after I made the switch from console to PC, because I, I would like Yin on console. Fuck, I max charactered specialist and support and then i was like a max level anakin because he was disgusting for so long and uh maybe a max level Iden. and now on pc i've been playing on and off here and there because we've been playing apex or cod or everything else right but, uh i have max i have near max level Iden, and i have specialist and support again almost maxed and to get max it's like level 500 no it's i think it's thousand right i don't know it, it's been a while the strutter says something in chat that makes that i actually want to push back a little bit he said everything unlocked without having to spend a ridiculous amount of time on the game uh i some of that is correct some of that is not i think the best grind that i've ever done is actually in halo 3 i think this is the best implementation of getting new cosmetic items because you didn't pay any money you had to have skill and I'm, you know what I'm talking about, like getting the Hayabusa armor with the sword, right? Took a lot of different things. You actually had to play the campaign in order to get the items that you could use and play in multiplayer. Um, yes, it was a grind. Yes, it was challenging. But when you had it and you saw other people in the game that did have it, you're like, oh, crap. They worked their ass off that. So it'd be the, in today's terms, that's the same thing as like having a Predator badge on in Apex or having a really, I mean... Um, and and Destiny Two, I don't even know what it would be. Maybe a weapon or something. I don't know what the what the what it would look like. But what would it look like in Call of Duty? Like what's something you have to like grind for? Like if you if you so attachments. So if you have like these awesome attachments, you, like somebody would look at the kill cam cam and be like, Cold oh shit. War, the level you know? grind is pretty rough because everything except the pistols, the launchers, and the knives, because the knives don't have attachment or the melee weapons don't have attachments. They're just level them up to get the camos. But right. if you want all of the attachments for your gun, you have to level 1 to 55 for all of the ARs, SMGs, snipers, LMGs, and tactical rifles. Right. So and you getting 1 to 55 can take you, like, if you're having a good session, 
like I was frying that one night I had I had a near 100 kill game uh I leveled the KSP SMG from like 1 to like 35 in like one session right so we have is there anything from this that we've really missed I feel like we've gone over everything just to kind of recap everything so it's really a microtransactions are subjective but to a point because it seems like there are good implementations and bad implementations Right? What other recaps can we we talked about so, to summarize everything? For Strider's point, the whole weapon unlocks thing in Star Cards, I'm 100% behind that. Like, I think that the weapon unlocks and stuff, they, those should be like static. But I mean, we have Call of Duty where you play to level 50 and you get all the weapons and then you prestige and you wipe them out. So, kind of a fine line as long as it's not too crazy. I think the Star Cards are garbage. I think those need to be removed. Or I'm glad that they were removed. Yeah, those um, stat the heroes, the heroes, I think that the heroes that you got at the end, like the, the Vader and the Skywalker, I think, at least early game, were not very good compared to the other heroes that you could get. Like, they were neat to have as a novelty, but as far as, like, performance-wise, I think you were kind of limited if you picked those characters. So I think that kind of balances it out in a way. I know that some people will say that's not justified, but to me, like... No, I, I think it's justified. No, like, it, picking, being able to pick Boba Fett and just run a 90-kill game early on without having that Darth Vader... Fuck, kind dude, of I have, I have screenshots as Iden of a 216, 220. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And the, uh, for the, the achievements thing, Gears of War seriously. Hmm. I don't know if you guys played Gears of War 1, oh, but you had to get yeah. 10,000 okay. kills in ranked. And if you had 10,000 kills in ranked, you got a gamer picture. And in that pregame lobby, people would always look at your profile to see what you had on it in the pregame lobby. And if you had that emblem, you are the one to beat. Oh, uh, okay. like looking at D two unbrokens and going, oh fuck. Oh, yeah. that makes it. Yeah, I so that's true. So yeah. much gears. I played so much canals that when I earned that, it was such a huge accomplishment because one hour of gameplay would pull to like twenty kills, and you had to get ten thousand. Yeah. It was an insane grind. Yeah, absolutely insane. Which okay, let me play devil's advocate. Would you pay money to shorten that grind? No. Why? Because that's. Because that's an achievement that comes from your skill. That's one of those. That's one of those situations where I think if they had other skill skins, like they did in, in future iterations of Gears, mm -hmm. they're fine with doing that. But when it comes down to having a skill-based unlock, it's important to have those. You you have to have player progression somewhere for yes, a multiplayer game. I agree. People that's aren't like, going to be okay with just doing nothing but play. The yeah, the the ranked systems. Let's say in Apex or in Valorant to hit mm -hmm. Radiant or to hit apex and have the predator trail to have the predator badge to have the radiant like icon next to your name or your profile or to have that little radiant gun buddy that's a worthwhile achievement in my eyes like the highest i've been in apex was diamond one back in like season two hmm. and if i ever get that high again i am gonna feel like i'm on fucking cloud nine dude right and i'm gonna do that because then you're, you're catering to the skill players who care about competitive edge well not edge and like microtransacting but being a good player having the skill gap being right. able to showcase that you're good that's a huge huge milestone for people and as long as they have that i don't really care about what cosmetics people have i pay attention to the skill thing okay it's just me as one player i haven't i have let me play devil's advocate again to the whole thing so let's say we keep that what if i add that as a fomo let me say that achievement only works like it only lasts for a bit how would that affect it would you still go for it absolutely they still go for it so that would limit your well here's where i have an issue it limits skill gap though for example if i just jumped into apex what apex season are we in seven eight seven seven going seven. on eight okay seven going on eight but i just jumped in 
never played before. I see a guy with a predator, but predator was three seasons ago. Oh, I think that's awesome. I can't get that shit. But then I just started playing. So I'm obviously not predator level. I barely know the maps. So it's like, fuck, what do I do? Oh, I mean, you wait for the next one. You try to kill him on drop. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what we do. Is Ace and I'll just I'm just making this. I'm, I'm putting this as a, a, a I think as a gamer, like somebody's played mostly FPS is like, I'd be like, oh, that's something to uh, go for. But most people would be like, you know, that fear of missing out is also such a, a driving factor in a lot of gameplay now. Like maybe I don't want to do those dailies, but what if that helps me get to pred? Oh, maybe I need to do that. You know, it's kind of this weird thing of like, I really want that pred badge. So to get that pred badge, I really need to play more. And so it's kind of give and take. Like I, I, sh I might as well do the dailies. I'm playing to get better. So I might as well do the dailies. And then you kind of get in this cycle of like, fuck now I'm three months later. I'm just still playing apex every day. And you, you kind of get that burnout. I think FOMO really causes burnout. And um, that's basically what I wanted to get to. <laughs> like, it really I think... depends on how no, far no. you set that. If you set that bar, like if you have a gotcha game that has an event that lasts two weeks, but you only need to put nine days worth of dailies and you have that, that leniency to not have to constantly be on it. Right. I mean, most of these games, like Halo, you're playing four days a week. You know, if you really had to just sign on and play for like two days, like if you didn't have to play for two days, would you be okay with like, you know, if you if you signed in and played two games on the days that you're off stream, mm -hmm. would that be too hard for you? Like, no, I think that that's the personal personally for me. Um, it wouldn't be too hard, but at the same time, I don't like ever feeling like I am forced to do something in a game. Okay. I just don't. So that if, person, that's if, just personally for me. What if you could offset those two days? What if you could play those on another day? So what if the what if the requirement was play a hundred games over this monthly period? Okay. Would that be too hard? I mean, no, I could, I could make that work based on scheduling. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that's really. So, Go ahead. Um, I think. I don't know. I. We can have this back and forth all day, and people are people are going to keep bringing up new stuff and new stuff. And we're going to keep pushing microtransactions. Oh, I think we need to cut it off. This is such a make the switch. To we were supposed to talk about Halo Infinite. We haven't <laughs> we talked got shit 15 about Halo minutes. Infinite. Oh God! <laughs> and we've got 15 minutes or so, unless we want to go longer. I, don't I know, was. I, don't oh, care. I think we should just continue to talk about microtransactions because there's such a. I mean, we only have 15 minutes. We're gonna start wrapping it up soon, anyways. It is such a giant topic, and it's so subjective to each person. I think what it comes down to is, personally, if I want to take the entire argument and just boil it down to one thing it is do you want to put more time or more money to avoid time that's what it comes down to am i i, I think that's personally for me that's what i would take the stance on because i'm either going to put the time in a grind to get that item like you were talking about in valhalla or in destiny 2 you can you can grind out the season pass by yourself you don't have to put money down or if i don't have time put the money down right does that make what do you think if you had to boil everything down into one point yeah what what would be that point for you it, yeah it really depends on what you're what you're doing and if you're staying ahead of the content grind so with genshin for example i keep going back to it because that's what i currently play mm -hmm. um i think that the battle pass is a huge value proposition for people who are actively playing and i don't think that the value is too expensive so by skipping i don't know how much how much of that grind would that free to play be that, I don't know, you're kind of like two weeks of grinding on that for yeah. that just seems like to me would be 
making me fall behind of the content curve. So I'm perfectly fine paying shelling out ten dollars every one month and a half. Right. To me, that makes sense. Yeah. So yours is not just a time proposition, it's a value proposition as well. Yeah. If there is value in that microtransaction, but that's also subjective on the gamer. Some people will yeah. find more value in paying more money to get more pulls in Genshin, and some people will not, like me. Now, so there's Zion, in Genshin, Zion, the in, guy. Genshin, <laughs> in Genshin, if you pull for characters, though, you are now gated by your ability to level them. Mm. Yeah. Because I was running Zion out of resources has, over yeah. and over. I had Zion had oodles of resources, or no resources, but a lot of characters. So he can't even use the characters that he's pulling for at a competitive level at where he is because he can't level them. I so was at, uh, prior to 1.1, I had every five star in the game, but Ching, including Klee. Mm. Um, but obviously since I lost like my shit and whatnot, I only had like six levels or six characters leveled up to like 80 or so, or like up to the 80 tier. And not even they would just be stopped at like 70. Right. Do you, uh, so what would be the boiling point for you, man? What, what, if you could boil down everything in microtransactions, what do you think is the most valid argument? Like what, what makes the most sense to you? To, to me? No, to Zion. Okay. Like, take, like, like we, like I said, I think again, thinks it's a value proposition and on top of a time thing. I think the time versus money thing, what would you think it would be? I would, uh, same thing, like, you've heard me say over and over that I'm, I don't enjoy MMOs anymore because I can't time sync thanks to my job. I mm. work 40 to 60 hours a week, depending on the time of the year. Right now, I'm barely working like 35, but um, if I was to, if there's a game and I have the monetary support to be able to catch up to people who are ahead of me, I I personally would do it, mm -hmm. but do I think that everybody should? No. Right. So yours because, is a value versus time thing. Yeah, mine is a pay to catch up, not so much a pay to win. Got it. Got it. Based on time that you have. So see how all three of us have different understanding based on our own subjective understanding of the game. And I think that's the biggest issue with this. I think... Yin, you hit the nail on the head with something that we talked about earlier, is regulation has to be there. It has to. Of some way, shape, or form, it needs to be there. Because if not, then companies will continue to do shit like, you know, Valhalla and make that worse. Now we see the the the, pin, the pinnacle of that is FIFA. That have added in-game ads on top of in-game loot boxes, on top of in-game club pulls. I mean, just... They just added. I don't even want to talk about that. Oh, I, it's I can't, such a fucking just, mess. There's no defending. It's opinion. such no a mess. It. Such a okay. In defense. Here's here's okay. We're gonna end it off soon, but uh, Strideros is really interesting. Five head thought. Does Twitch have microtransactions? I don't think so. I mean, they have the they have the definition version of microtransactions i guess you could say i mean they have you're i'm giving twitch five bucks for these imaginary bits but i think they have social microtransactions which is a whole nother fucking topic bro it's not imaginary <laughs> so, bit. you're supporting the streamer that you're giving it to exactly it's a social microtransaction. A a if i go to a movie theater and i see a movie what what's the difference between seeing it in 3d is that difference between seeing it in 3d a microtransaction e ooh uh ooh. 
yes because it changes your experience yeah they give you right. glasses yeah um, paying you're, for those glasses consu you're consuming it so if yeah. you have like a sub to someone's twitch and you're spamming the emotes and you're supporting them is that you know i i do think it's kind of a i think it's kind of a micro microtransaction but we you can't really call it that you're just paying no. for a feature yeah it yeah, is I, mean, I think it's not really i would i would i'm going to take my initial stance and call it a social microtransaction because i am strider if i if i go ahead and i sub to you man like i am subbing to you to support you that's one person to another person it's not like me to a game or me to a company or me to a movie it's a it's a little bit different it's it's me trying to support you from one human to another so i would call it a social microtransaction but then i could just donate money to you directly rather than have the whole stream bit that's true. If I just too. went to dono you and said, "Hey, I want to send you five bucks for what you're doing because I support you." Why would I go through Twitch and let Amazon take a cut? That's true too, and that's where things like Patreon came up because people just wanted to get the money. Well, even Patreon takes a cut. Everybody takes a goddamn cut. Just send me money in the mail. I'll give you my address. Just send me the cash. Call it a day. Um. Uh. So he was saying, "What about the big time streamers? No OnlyFans. Get out of here." Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a microtransaction. Leveled, leveled feet picks. No, all what is with you guys? That feet is a picks. microtransaction. I hate all of you. Uh, what about big time streamers? I think big time streamers, they that's a whole nother league, bro. Big time streamers, they have sponsorships and they have deals like contracts with Twitch. That's a that's not a social contract anymore at that point. That's a business contract. You're giving into somebody's business. Even though they're the face of that business, they have got an LLC at that point, man. A little bit different, I would say. Theoretically, uh, for for big time streamers, when you sub to someone, you're technically paying for no ad viewing. You're technically paying for that, but I don't think a true. lot of people even see those ads, so I don't think it really matters. But you're also yeah. paying into just like XQC. You're paying money to be a meme. You're paying them to make a joke to just make everyone laugh. Yeah, at the end of the, that, that text to speech stuff is all the reason why they do that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense too. So then you're not really paying, you're paying for a dopamine hit. At that point, it is a microtransaction. Uh, actually, that's a Twitch loot box, especially with TTS. I mean, you're just, you're trying to get chat to react. You're trying to get a dopamine hit at that point, man. Ah, it's a tough one. Microtransaction is such a tough topic because everybody has their own opinion and understanding about it. But at the end of the day, um, Cue the X-File music. <laughs> At the end of the day, all of us have dealt with microtransactions. We all pay into it in some way, shape, or form. Um, last question, and then we'll wrap things up. Um, I'm going to ask this a little bit earlier, but we, we have been going through so much stuff. Where do you think this is going to take us into the future? Do you think that games are going to have worse microtransactions, or do you think the gaming industry will push back? Like the consumers. I think we're going to see some pushback from developers. Okay. So there's going to be like a unionized gamer or developer push to get adequate compensation for devs. So I think they're really getting screwed over right now. There's so too. a huge issue with um, being hired as a contractor so that the publisher doesn't have to pay benefits. So you as a developer coming out of this to try and make games because it's your passion can't yeah. even get like health benefits because they're hiring you as a contractor like a subcontractor so they can fire you and not pay benefits yeah. on anything it's ridiculous that's, that's the big problem that needs to be fixed i think the there's this regulation that needs to be put on publishers to make sure that devs are taken care of that 
kind of restores that creative freedom. And until that happens, I don't really see uh, this problem getting any better. Yeah, I am 100% for pushing for microtransactions in games so long as it's a reasonable price for the game itself, whether that be free to play or with micro or, or paid, as long as the microtransactions are uh, held accordingly. Like paying for a WoW expansion, you're getting a lot of content, I yes. think. Yes. A lot of new areas, so I can justify paying a relatively higher cost on an expansion. But the continued income, I think, is an important thing, especially as the cost of games continues to go up. I agree. No, I, me and you are definitely in agreement with that because I feel like as the industry grows, gaming is becoming cheaper and developer is only getting more expensive. You know, at earlier people in chat were talking about how most of the game actual revenue up front is going to advertisement. And especially with these giant publishers like, you know, Activision, Blizzard, Ubisoft, all these giant publishers are, are continuously making more and more intricate games. But also on the flip side, costing much more so i think that you're right if there's if there's a way to offset that with microtransactions that also has value right that has that perceived value at least then i think it'll help i agree zion what about you man what do you think it's, uh, microtransactions are going to be and do you think it's going to be get better or worse i think it's getting it's going to get worse to a point and then we'll hit a break point where one or two governments are just going to make like a crackdown and it's going to go, okay, yeah, fuck it. And then a domino effect is going to just roll through. Mm, I hope so. That'd be nice because I will, then again, they have the, well, the GDPR right over in Europe for our personal data, but it doesn't work here in America. So it's like, I think worldwide it's going to be a much longer shift, but I do agree with you. I hope, I think there will be a breaking point. I think more games that come out like FIFA, more if, if Assassin's Creed keeps going on the same trajectory, it might end up doing the same thing. Call of Duty's oh, if we it could, keeps doing the same thing, the series is gonna die out. So and that's well that's that's what should happen in a free market, right? That and this is what a market is, right? If you like a content, if it's good, you'll pay it, you'll support it. If you don't like it, you won't buy it, it's not worth it. So it is what it is, man. Um I, uh neglected to mention the other big change that's happening to this industry and that's game pass the subscription-based model mm. for access to games when people buy in mm. you no longer have to buy a first party game i didn't have to pay a single dime for forza motorsport i could download that or i could download celeste to play celeste it didn't cost me anything because i'm paying for a subscription right I'm for all of those at once so there's a lot of stuff working behind the scenes that i'm not really sure how it works like i don't know what the deals are i don't know how how much money they're making from it but that that game pass is a huge crazy proposition and i think microsoft has the edge enough so that they got cocky enough to do that that doubling of the cost of gold I don't know if oh i saw that, I saw and, that. They and, they, and they backed out yeah they backed so, out they're gonna double the cost of it that yeah. was nuts they got cocky. Dumbasses. i think they're trying to phase out gold to to push this game pass even further i think that's what their their goal was probably um, but i think that's gonna be the next big thing before you even see microtransactions be a thing i think yeah. that I have no idea the inner workings of how a deal would work with that. Because you're taking a game like Forza, or I guess Control is almost done with its... Uh, well, I don't know what that term is in marketing, where the, 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 the laggards, I think is the term, for the people who buy it at the very last moment. Hmm. Yeah, but they could probably right. make a, a bunch more money off of Game Pass, potentially. So well, I, I, I really don't know how that monetization works. But that's a, that's a big thing that we won't really know ooh. a whole lot about because of the contracts. I think we'll have to wait a little bit. We'll have to come back and talk about that one a little bit, man. Because you're right. I mean, if loot boxes, excuse me, if Game Passes continue, now games that had loot boxes that are four or five years old, all of a sudden they're getting money again. 
So you have a potential of these microtransactions lasting longer now. You just you just hit something perfect. I mean, think about it. Games that you probably haven't touched in forever. Now you have the Game Pass. You can replay. Oh, I forgot. They have this loot box here I could buy. And then now all of a sudden this loot box, loot box microtransaction realm continues to push forward, but in a new way. They're actually recycling content without having to recycle content. And we circle back to the That's, value proposition of the game. There's yeah. a game called Donut Country, which I believe is pretty short, right? And I think it was originally 20 bucks. I, because I'm stingy with money on stuff, I, I would not spend full price for Donut Country. Now I'm playing Donut Country because it's a pass. So like now I have a chance to experience this game that I would have never bought. I'm sure they're making money off of it because right. I, I would have never bought it from it. So. Yeah. No, it's crazy, man. You're right. A game pass with that moving forward. Oh, then in the and the, well, then you also have the failure of Stadia. So that's also that's a streaming service, but it also is a game pass. You pay monthly and you stream it right to your computer. But that's obviously technically a little bit different. But you know, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be a rough couple of years, I think. But I think microtransactions, like you said, if it comes on the pro the value proposition, we all agreed on that. Value value versus time is definitely gonna be the key here, and it has to be understood by everybody. Right, like you have to find what that is going to look like for you. But I think that kids need to be protected from that. Still, I, I still come back to that. They have to be protected from that. But yeah, you're right. It's on the parents to make a distinction and teach those values. Right? Yeah, I think that's right. Goals. Has to be. Has to be for sure. Oh, Shion, you made a command. All right, I'm gonna get that to you right after this. All right, we got your back. Um, let's go ahead and let's wrap things up, man. It's already four o'clock. We ran through two hours of nothing, but we're gonna have to get you back on and talk actual Halo this time. <laughs> yeah, episode three, the Halo one. <laughs> oh man. Um, if you guys have not followed Yinvote yet, please go follow him. I'm gonna shout him out real quick in chat. Um I wish he would play. Oh, I don't even have the shout out thing. Hold on, let me turn the shout out thing on. This is gonna get bad. Hold on. Oops. Broke uh, it. I broke it. Things are things are making sounds. Hold on. I gotta turn that on first. That'll help. Um, but please go follow you invoked. He's an awesome dude. He streams on Saturdays. He has a community night, so you should make sure to sh to click on that link and then go to his Discord and follow him there. The temple. Um, it is fantastic. Um I wish, and you guys should start messaging him and tell him to start streaming Halo. That'd be great. I would really appreciate that personally. Uh, Zion, where can people find you, man? Shot TV forward slash Zion Yeet or trying to get Ace's dumbass to switch to mouse and keyboard. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> um, if you guys like this podcast, you guys want to talk more about microtransactions, come into the Discord. Hi. Hi. Come send stuff to me. Come do it. Come hang out a little bit. It'd be awesome. I'd really appreciate that. Um, you can join us and message me. We can talk a little bit more. If you want to talk to me, we can talk a little bit more uh, and rock and roll from there. Let me go ahead and shout out real quick. Now I got everything going here. Invoked. Bam. Shion, what was that? Hi. Oh, thanks for the host, man. Uh, we're going to get everything kind of rocking and rolling here a little bit. Um, if you guys have any questions about anything, please follow our podcast. Please, please, please. We are everywhere. We're on Spotify. Who We're on everywhere. Just anywhere you listen to podcasts, we're there. Guaranteed. Um, and we also are going to post our YouTube link most likely by Tuesday. So if you guys want to watch this again, please go to the YouTube channel and check oh. that out. Here, watch this. But ba bam, ba ba bam. I uh, that's not the right thing. I, that's not the right button. Zion, why am I forgetting all my buttons, bro? There we go. <laughs> by the way, I accidentally powered off my computer. Nice. <laughs> nice. Nice job. <laughs> all right, guys, we're gonna go ahead and end up. You guys have an excellent day, and as always, have a good one. See you later. Bye-bye. Peace.